Hi, this is Repatterning. I'm Tom. And I'm Kata. This time around, we'll be talking with Kate Donovan. Kate is a Berlin-based artist and researcher, working with radio, listening, and the more than human. She's interested in transmission and interconnectedness, but also disruption and interference. Kate's research focuses on non-anthropogenic radio and rethinking and reworking dominant radio histories. In our talk, uh, we'll be talking about meteors and interruptions, apples and time, sensing and bubbles, and temporary listening communities. We'll begin with the apples. Hi, Kate. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> Um, tell us about the apples. Oh, the apples. <laughs> Straight into the long wave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we, before we started recording, we're talking about waves and um, waves that are sort of beyond human temporal perception. And... Um, Yeah, it feel, feels kind of funny to re, 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 retell you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I uh, was in my garden in the late summer, early autumn, and it was, you know, the it was punctuated by the sound of these apples falling. So I was thinking about these rhythms, um, these very slow rhythms, and then did a recording through the night of the tree, from the tree, and then sort of noted down when the apples fell and tried mm. to think about this. Because um, uh, I think there were only like seven apples that fell through the night. It wasn't actually many, uh, you know, okay. but then to squish that together, there would be a certain kind of like a rhythm. A rhythm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, so so yeah, that just it came of uh thinking about how to pay attention to these other kind of more than human rhythms mm, or waves mm, mm. on the kinds of time scales that we wouldn't normally be paying so much attention to and Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because yeah, it's a thing that you notice, but you can't pay attention the whole time so mm. it also made me think yeah that's that's one example of like having to use technology to help pay attention mm. Mm. like right. that i guess that's um that's one of the bonuses of of technology right <laughs> being able to pay attention in different ways like whether it's you know over a longer period of time or whether to um be able to listen to things that are beyond human hearing or mm. Yeah, all those things that technology can do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it also reminds me of like, like on the one hand, the the dropping of the apples give this um, rhythm that's uh, maybe not so easily predictable or not our usual uh, time scale. But then also the the sounds involved, like obviously you hear the sound of the fall of when it lands on the on the ground, but then. The sound when the little stem is cracking and decides to release, and then the apple like 
flying through the air before landing on the ground and like all those sounds that are probably not so audible in your recording but are still present in well they did um you know all of the apples when they dropped had a different sound wow because mm. you know they would fall through the leaves before ah, they then hit a branch or hit the ground or i think there was a wheelbarrow upside down wheelbarrow there So, you know, sometimes they would you hit this. You just created and... a little <laughs> instrumentation there for the apples to play play a concert. Yeah. <laughs> I just leave this uh, battle here and <laughs> maybe they fall on it. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, so they were distinct um, sounds. Mm. Mm. And then, mm. you know, some of them are fallen from lower down on the trees, some from higher up. Um, so you do get those particularities, but probably not the things like you say of the, you know, the, the branch, the twig snapping. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you'd really have to mic up the whole tree to yeah, yeah. get that sort of sound. Yeah, <laughs> right. or even you know, probably then you could you could hear like how rotten or ripe or whatever mm. The, mm. like the consistency of the apple mm. by this right. Yeah. Did you then uh, do something with the recording? Yeah, I did. Um, so, uh, yeah, this year I've been meeting with a group of people to think about um, listening and the more than human. And we have been working on um, a radio piece that's about waves. So we sort of made a made a wave of... Yeah, we had a different process. So the first, the first wave was that one of us made recorded a sound, um, and then handed it to the next person, and that person then added, and the next person added, and uh, didn't have to be in a linear way. Some people sort of broke the thing up, and I, so I put my apples in there, and it's. Uh... Full length? Or are you? No, no, no. <laughs> crunched it together It's, a bit. Yeah, I crunched it together. I basically what I did was I think the first wave was twenty five minutes or something. So I sort of took the time frame of the eight hours and squished it down so that the rhythm, uh, so it had the same rhythm but mm. over twenty five minutes instead of over eight hours. Right. And then just mm -hmm. took out the bits of the the apples. Yeah. Can you? Uh, Tell us a bit more about this idea of the the connection to the more than human. Or uh, I can, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought of another segue actually. The um, um, with this idea of interruption, you know, because I was thinking about the apples as well as this. Um, it's a sort of sound of interruption somehow, ah, okay, something yeah. that just happens. Um, And sort of makes you pay attention to something else in the garden, the sort of more than human world. Um, and I, in terms of radio, I think about the meteor as a as a sort of figure of interruption mm. because um, it generates radio. But it, like when the when uh, a celestial body meets an atmosphere from a planet or a moon um the it generate it generates these ionized trails and that's what we see then as a meteor mm. and those trails it's probably 
my kid. <laughs> Speaking of interruption. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. We're going to have to leave that in. It is. Yeah. You want to... Uh, no, it's okay. I'm, I know he's at home. I think he's asking if I want to play table tennis. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so the so these ionized trails are are generated, and um, it, it, it's possible to send a radio frequency, and it would bounce off of these trails. So it's a sort of figure of, I think of it as a figure of radio interruption. Oh, okay. Because if you uh, go ahead, just like it would bounce back off the meteor or it would yeah. bounce back off the tr of the, the trails well a meteor is actually not a thing but a process okay so the so these trails are actually the meteor mm. it's the difference between a, a meteorite which is then what would be left over from this material mm. that then lands on a planet so basically the moon. entire path where the where the the meteorite goes through the the, yeah, the where it kind of burns up. That whole trace would be a, a, a become a surface that can uh, bounce surface, signals, uh, yeah. bouncing back signals. Oh, okay. Yeah, kind of like a moon bounce, kind type of yeah. radio experiment. But, yeah, yeah. But presumably, even more sort of subject to interruption or. Uh, yeah. Well, I think. Essentially, it depends how you use it because you could use it to propagate signals. Like it uh, is okay. a form of transmission. Yeah. So you can propagate signals around, or it would it could sort of inadvertently disrupt signals. Mm. Um. So I think it's an interesting way to think about, like you know, what do you want to propagate and what do you want to disrupt mm. in terms of. Well, I often think of academic practice or, you know, what stories do you want to pass on and which ones do you want to um, interrupt or repattern, actually. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, I think I'm, I want to venture into this, uh, the question of sensing and how we think of sensing. And then we see how far we go with it. <laughs> But so, so you're part of this program that's called Sensing. And for me, as an uh, artist coming from a body-based uh, discipline background, my first thought of sensing was, of course, uh, sensing with our, uh, uh, with our senses. And then uh, you said that actually a lot of this program is uh, focusing more on, on the machine sensing, like sensors and uh, the sounds and the, 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 the waves that we can't perceive like for example the cracking of the apple stem uh, from the branch or the apple flying through the air that also creates ripples in the air that we won't be able to see with our eyes or we won't be able to hear with our uh, human ears but uh, are perceivable in some other ways or through machines well like with lots of things there's two sides right we can you know technology opens up all of these things um but it can also limit things down you know so we can maybe hear through very sensitive microphones things that we wouldn't normally be able to hear but then um it's a sort of honing in on one particular thing 
which is also then a closing out of other things. Um, but I think, um, yeah, what you said about imagination is really the important part, actually, that this it, it, it opens out ways of thinking about things that we can't necessarily perceive. You know, the rather than sticking with the this idea of um if we listen this way then we know, you know, this sort of um mm. um yeah, myth that technology can bring this, this a certain kind of truth. That in a way you can regard technology as being the interruption in the process of sensing and that uh it is uh, a way for us to perceive very narrowly in one particular aspect, but that this closing out of what otherwise might be part of the <clears throat> part of what is perceived is is then kind of removed from consideration. Or... Mm. Mm. And also, like some of it is maybe imagination, and like not to go too esoteric uh, here, <laughs> but um, um, like, do we really not perceive? those things that we think we don't perceive yeah like i know it it happened to me several times that i would i don't know i would be asleep and i would wake up just uh before the moment uh somebody would open the door did i hear the door at the downstairs opening i could theoretically but it's maybe not something that i'm so consciously uh listening out to mm. And then, of course, you know, and then here is where I think imagination can really allow in this uh, way to, yeah, to, to, to permit maybe to think that I can hear or perceive more than what I think I can. It's, uh, I think it's interesting in terms of um, all these discussions about plant intelligence, for example. I mean, intelligence is also maybe a weird word to... But like sentience or, you know, what's happening with plants and how they how are they sensing things and how is it changing how they grow or whatever, um, which is a whole other world of sensing that we don't really know that much about, mm. which then we kind of get to know through technology. So it's another example somehow of um, technology giving access to another world um which then you know is maybe also on the esoteric side as well like with vibration and um you know being part of this bigger vibrational world where everything and everyone is connected i mean i think uh sometimes of these examples of um you know, indigenous knowledges, um, having ideas, you know, certain ideas about things. And uh, like I think of the example of um, DNA. I read this book about, it's called The Cosmic Serpent. Mm. Do you know it? I think I read it also a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the point of this book is that the in, in um, certain indigenous cultures, there is essentially this idea of, of DNA, which is communicated in the form of these two serpents, intertwined serpents that are the building blocks of all life. And um, and then 
which, which you know, for most people in, in the Western world is just taken as this kind of story. Mm. But then, you know, when DNA was then um, discovered... <laughs> um, and Let the listener note that that was accompanied by <laughs> quotation marks. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and that it had the, had the same kind of form that was being expressed in these other cultures and they're essentially talking about the same thing. Then these other stories are somehow justified because it's been proven through science. You know, like I... Th mm. I and I think that it's somehow the same with, with technology. Um that you know there are speculations about certain things like plant communication or um you know interspecies communication and then it's only accepted as true when it's kind of proven by technology mm. or western science mm. there was uh sorry i forget the name of the project now but the the project that you did where there was a radio transmission from a boat on the spray. Oh, yeah. Um, radio otherwise. Radio otherwise, yes. Um, this was a... Well, maybe you can tell us a bit more about the project, but I was fascinated by the idea that it was um, bringing attention to the waterways of the city. Uh, but maybe you can just tell us a bit more about it. Yeah. So yeah, that's a it's a project called Radio Otherwise mm. um, that is with uh, Monai de Paula Antunes, my collaborator, and it started actually from um, a seminar we taught a, a master's seminar, and um, co-teaching is is amazing. I really think co-teaching is the way to go because. You know, you learn from each other and then students get involved. And so it becomes this sort of like knowledge sharing thing, which is much different from uh, the sort of standard teacher student relationship. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, so it formed basically because uh, Monai works a lot with um, or has done a lot of research on cybernetics and ecology. And I'd done a lot of research on on radio and um ecologies of transmission and so we wanted to bring basically we wanted to learn from each other and sort of connect these two fields so we did this seminar called radio otherwise listening cybernetics and ecologies which then turned into a sort of research project that's ongoing and for that piece that you're talking about, it was called Circling Thresholds. We wanted to think about um, infrastructures of flow. So we were thinking about water waves, coming back to waves again, like electromagnetic waves in the city and and waterways in the city. Mm. So it was part of this series called... Um, forests of antennas, oceans of waves. So it was a series all about electromagnetism. Mm. And um, yeah, so we did this this kind of durational transmission from a boat where we had um, different hydrophones coming off the boat into the water and different antennas uh. picking up different kinds of frequencies. Mm. And we traveled out of the city and then on the way back in we 
we transmitted these things that we were picking up. Mm. Um, yeah, and talked a little bit in between about where we were and what we were listening to. And um, yeah, and then right at the very end, we did a kind of, um, I, I can't remember the word we used. I don't think we wanted to call it performance, <laughs> but some sort of like culmination event, let's say. So so people gathered on the Strahlauer Spitze, which, mm, you know, mm. that place just mm. opposite from the... From Tower Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so people gathered there and then the boat came in and um, we transmitted just in that area. Mm. Mm. Um, a sort of culmination of the whole, you know, we tried to sort of condense a lot of the things that we'd found during that time. Mm. But the, yeah, so the all of those events for that series were in public spaces. Mm. And so it was really interesting to think about... Um, yeah, the the waterways and who has access to them. And there's, there's a whole movement that, you know, I didn't really know that much about um, when I looked into it a lot more than I did. But, um, yeah, people really doing work about who has access to the waterways and what's happening and where and how mm. can we take care of them and this group, like, literally pulling out all of this trash, all of these e-scooters and, all like, all of this stuff that gets chucked in oh, right. all the time. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it was a it was an interesting world to sort of realize that was there. Yeah, yeah. And when you were doing this, the transmission was a kind of a micro FM sort of localized it was, radio station. Well, we were right? streaming online for the the okay. the long transmission, and um, I think we were broadcasting on FM as well in yeah. the. In Berlin. Mm. And then, yeah, the idea then was just to switch to a micro FM transmission at the very end so that we sort of like moved in and out of the, uh, of the, well, I, I always think of this sort of radio bubble around mm. a transmitter. So if you imagine that we, we were making this sort of transmission bubble around the boat, that then we would sort of move past the audience. So, they it was a they could sort of hear the bubble moving in and away mm. through the radio that from their perspective the signal would kind of arrive into their range and then slowly mm. emerge back out of it exactly yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so radio is such a um i, th I think like such a unique platform for art making and when i talk to people who do radio they are so specific about their um their passion about the the really the, the physicality of of radio versus like i don't know doing a recording or transmitting uh information through a different way that's not so time and uh space specific how did you get to to radio or what was your your way to radio to the radio art and did that come first or the more than human uh, aspects of it <laughs> um uh, it was a very slow process i have to say like you know i i um i started off doing radio like community radio in berlin in a very 
kind of classic way of literally playing sound art and experimental music and saying this next track is by da 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 hmm. and you're really not much more than that and then um but I had a fine art background so it sort of slowly I started to think you know how could I think about this um medium in a more creative way um so that was a, that was quite a slow process um and the more than human thing happened actually you know sometimes it's nice to look back and sort of see how these like <laughs> slow clicks take place <laughs> but um i read something about um uh magnetite and these birds that have this crystal in their beaks and they it's theorized that they use it to sense the earth's electromagnetic sphere to help navigate on you know migratory journeys so they can tell where's north where's south and so when i heard about that i was thinking you know is this is this like literally another form of radio because it's the you know it's the earth mm, mm. transmitting these signals and it's these migrating entities that are then receiving this signal mm. so it, that was i think the first like ah, is there a whole other world of radio that's not based on technology right. um yeah so that's actually where it started was this um you know quite random uh example mm. of mm. migration and what's involved in um yeah natural navigation tactics or systems or whatever mm. 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 yeah yeah you mentioned uh before that this kind of that the way how radio is um so uh time specific and space or location specific is uh something that you're that's very imp that's important for you in uh in radio art and so yeah i, I was just uh, reminded of it with this idea of the radio bubble as you were explaining this uh, boat uh, going towards the island and then having this bubble that kind of yeah sweeps into the reception area of people yeah we were uh, uh, listening uh, I don't know a couple of months ago or something to this uh, talk by the person who's name I now forget, who is one of the people that runs Wave Farm in uh, upstate New York somewhere. Mm -hmm. And she was explaining about how the transmission that occurs at this place, which is this like sort of space dedicated to radio art and associated ideas, I suppose, um, that a lot of it is based on the this idea of the, the 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 surrounding bubble from a from a transmitter and the possibility for there to be a kind of a chance encounter with radio and that there can be a accidental listenership which is in how they were explaining it kind of pretty different from the the i suppose from a lot of other forms where most of the time the audience for that form would be the people who have already decided that they're going to go and mm. experience this thing. Whereas radio kind of like leaves open the possibility of a sort of an 
accidental discovery. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, I, I found like a pretty interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Well, also in terms of uh, accessibility, I guess, mm, or mm. yeah, who you who you reach. Um, yeah, it's quite different to yeah, like you say, people deciding to go somewhere. Like there's a, a decision that's being made then to go to a concert. Let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was also thinking about it in terms of how uh, so much of the kind of. Uh, how would you say, like the modern human encounter with media is now algorithmically determined that somebody scrolling through their social media is effectively being fed something that is decided by an algorithm or a series of algorithms, whereas it seemed to be the case that radio was in a way kind of almost anti-algorithmic in that it was it had this kind of like generosity to it with the with the possibility that like on the presumption that you can spend you know 10 euros on a cheap crappy radio you can have access to this thing but also that yeah you can kind of have this process of accidental discovering mm. and of kind of being led by your own curiosity people talk about it as um uh that radio allows for this for a listening experience where you don't know what's around the corner mm. i really like that that image somehow you know it's not like well i guess that could happen with spotify if you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you definitely don't know what's around the corner because it just <laughs> sneaks in things that you don't want but the platform or the yeah, algorithm yeah, wants yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they know what's around the corner <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but i think it depends which radio as well because yeah, yeah, uh yeah. you know how much freedom there is there yeah, um yeah. But you mean in the in the sense of um, of its of it being a live uh, thing or more than that? Yeah, well, I guess you know if you listen to an album, you know what the next thing, you know what's coming. You know if you listen to recorded material, you mm. sort of know what's going to happen. But with mm. with um, radio, then usually you don't. But that's not always the case. It's not a sort of blanket statement because you know lots of radio. Uh, or let's say you know big broadcast radio stations uh, the the people presenting don't really have a choice you know mm, here's mm. your list of tracks mm, and you can choose yeah. from there yeah so it is in a way the the fact that radio works with live material that also inherently in, in implies some level of improvisation and then the question of how much space that is for that. You no, know, yeah. like if you have like a whole score or like a whole um, script or what would you call it as a radio presenter, then maybe there's not much improvisation necessary. But if you kind of go into a program where you have a loose plan, but then maybe you allow yourself to mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, drift away or maybe, I don't know if you like don't approach it in a, such a structured way that maybe you don't find a thing you want it to play and then you want to play something else or mm. Mm -hmm. it's uh which is yeah for sure that's the kind of the live uh formats that i'm more interested in that uh, allows space for improvisation and for failure i guess mm. i also think that the the um collective listening aspect is super nice mm. like if you're listening to the radio then 
yeah, there's something super interesting about this um, this idea of intimacy and distance. So even if you're, you know, listening at home from your kitchen, you know that there are other people listening somewhere. And mm. Might not be many, but mm. you, you know, there's this imagination then of the the people who are connected to you in that listening experience, which I think is really quite different to podcasts. Let's say where. Mm. Mm. Um, There's a sort of implied immediate community that is somehow all paying attention in the same way. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think it's about the same way, but I think it's maybe well, this, okay. uh, <laughs> you know, this esoteric uh, conne connection somehow of like, you know, you you know that there's a a bunch of people who are experiencing this thing mm. Mm, mm, at the same time. Mm. And the place is not the same. It's not then it's really not about being sort of site specific. Um, it's more about that moment. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then also knowing because you know where you're uh, sending. So you, you know your radio bubble, especially if it's like a small, organi mm. a small like um, community organized radio that's maybe not transmitting worldwide. Yeah. Then you're also aware of your bubble. Yeah. So back to kind of the imagination and knowing, you know, what's what's happening. You can imagine the 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 space within which that information can be received mm. or that experience more than information, I guess. Um can I ask about the your uh, satellite piece? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um because uh so I know about I'm talking about the 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 improvisation because I know you do, you also did a a satellite what do you call that a satellite catch satellite uh, there's a there is a word isn't there for picking up a satellite like signal receiving the signal or oh, like a more specific term for it well as the satellite is going overhead it's referred to as a pass of the pass. satellite oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah and then yeah you just Catch the pass. Point an antenna. Catch yeah, pass. catch the pass. <laughs> um, but I, I am curious to know more about the the improvisation that you did in also in terms of this sort of sensing something that you can't see or hear. Like, how did you? Um, well, and also this this kind of collective moment together with a bunch of people. So how? I'm just curious, maybe you can explain more about it. Like how did, like, was there a way to see this, to see the satellite passing or mm. it w was it just through the sound or how? It was, well, the short answer is, yeah, it was just through the sound, mm -hmm. uh, but it was done with these, we, we made a, so it, to, to give the larger context, we did this sound installation by where we were receiving the signals from an abandoned satellite, the LES-1. Um, and we made a, a series of speakers that were hanging overhead where the direction that the speakers were aligned within was uh, also aligning with the route that the satellite would take through the sky overhead. Mm -hmm. And we arranged it so that as the satellite was sort of like at one end of the sky, let's say, from the perspective of the, you know, of a person who was attending this event, um, that they would hear the signal of the satellite that we were uh, intercepting 
from one end of the line of speakers and that over the course of the sort of half an hour or so that it took for the satellite to pass overhead, the sound would move along the line of the speakers. And so this was kind of the way in which the, yeah, everything was, let's say, spatialized to mm. kind of align with what the satellite itself was doing. The transmission bubble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and really like at the beginning of the reception, it would be kind of cracky and not so strong and then you yeah. could really hear it becoming strong and present and then amazing going away like yeah. it was yeah, really yeah. A, a physical experience how you could hear the satellite really passing uh, overhead and the we were very much anthropomorphizing this satellite oh, all yeah. the time as we were going kind of going like oh our old friend is back again <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were. Um, I mean, also like the, the the accompanying part of the installation was this um, sounds, this generative um, uh, uh, sound installation part that used partly uh, derived versions of or derivations of um, sacred harp songs that sing about the weary traveler and uh oh, you know like wow. dying and yeah, resurrecting yeah. and that in our very much anthropomorphizing way very much connected to how we thought about this uh satellite so um, yeah we really leaned into those metaphors <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah very much so but this uh so the improvisation part i think um Maybe not so much the, the, the improvisation was present, but the possibility for failure. <laughs> Because, of course, we were live receiving the signals. And, of course, technology, again, helped us being able to visualize because we would know at what um, elevation the, the satellite would go. So we could kind of, you know, if you would look at the sky and look at the map that shows where the satellite is going, we could kind of imaginary draw a line on the sky where the satellite would mm -hmm. go past. And so that's what we would trace with the antenna. But what was kind of quite um, amazing about it was that there was a possibility for failure. No, it could be that we just can't catch the signal somehow or mm. I don't know that we can't lock onto it or or somehow that we... We don't. Yeah, and it's a very weak signal, so you really have to point your antenna mm. at exactly the right spot. Mm. And if you don't get it, or if you can't find it, then yeah, it it fails. It's gone. And yeah. and at the same time, there was also this, um, still this this um, not trust. I don't know what uh, that. I suppose what's again supported by technology that we know what it's supposed to be. We know that it's coming. We know that it's there. And so it, it it did work out every time. Like we didn't have a, a a failure in the reception of the of the signal. And but of course it was every time this stress, you know, yeah. that like okay now <laughs> I'm here and if I lose it, then you know the installation is broken or, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. But then and then the like this community experience that that was really like a very powerful. Uh, feeling um, uh, standing under these speakers and then really what we said earlier to really hear that the satellite is kind of coming into the into the atmosphere mm. and then through this uh, 
the way how the speakers were set up and that the sound could travel through the speakers, it really allowed for this uh, spatial experience of mm. of it coming and going. And then the emptiness, you know, the silence after, you know, it like gets quieter and quieter and quieter and then it disappears. And then there is this silence and you know that, okay, now it's off to the rest of the journey and we'll come back in uh, six, three, uh, three, three hours, hours. Yeah, so yeah. it was like it it's it uh, orbits the earth nine times a day so what Crazy. we could take wow. in what we could receive in within daylight uh, hours we could do like three or four passes a day mm. and so it was also this you know farewell but yeah. then like in three hours See we'll be again. like you know <laughs> yeah, coming yeah. back again yeah and yeah to like stand there along with, you know, all the visitors that, yeah, that very much had this time-specific and mm. space-specific power to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've done a lot of works um, at sunset to have this, you know, I think of these, um, well, a friend of mine who I've worked with, Ali Bishop, she calls the, the sunset a threshold moment which I really like. I mean, I guess it's the same thing, you know, to to have this particular moment in time and space where something happens that you can pay attention to. And with radio, it's a really interesting time because this, this grey line between night and day um, allows signals to travel further. So you can, mm. if you tune in, for example, just a normal shortwave radio, um, you can hear the difference between day and night and this gray line you would get signals from further away mm. at gray line um yeah so it, it's uh it's an interesting radio moment but also to have this like you know very short period where you can really sense this change and mm. um to think not about the sun setting but to think about the earth moving away from the sun mm. Mm. You know, because we always think that the that we're static and the sun yeah. goes yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's true. Actually, when we were doing the satellite work, it really was a, a, a perspective shifting kind of thing. Yeah, because even saying something like that, the satellite goes around the Earth uh, X numbers of times per day is in a way like you have to shift that frame of reference and say, no, it's like eight or nine times per 24 hours, but the day is just what happens because the earth itself happens to be turning mm. and it's not, you know, like, uh, and it doesn't matter to the satellite what, what part of the earth is day or night. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it just, it was a, a shift in perspective in, in trying to think about when we could actually receive these signals. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I think is a, a somewhat similar kind of a, an idea. Yeah, yeah. But what is also similar, or at least space-related, uh, was this work that you were doing about um, meteorites crashing through people's roofs. Oh, right, yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe you can tell us a bit about that. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that uh, well, even though... it is sort of presented online as a final piece. Mm. In my mind, it's not finished piece, like it's just a version of it. So 
Um, but it comes from this research of, you know, how to think about, um, you know, what meteors offer as a as a sort of symbol about how to do things somehow. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the, a, a sort of figure of interruption. And um, so that work was, um, yeah, connecting these stories. Or maybe it was one story. I don't know. It's a while since I've uh, I sort of put <laughs> put that work out of my mind because I know that I want to redo it. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, well, maybe talking about it now can be the beginning of the yeah. process of redoing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's a story about... Um, it, quite a famous story, actually, about this... One of the very few meteorites that has hit a human... And um, it was in the 50s and there was a woman who was asleep on the couch and the meteorite um, crashed through the roof and hit a radio and bounced off the radio and hit her in the stomach. She survived. She just got bruised. Mm. Um, yeah, but this story, it's been it's been told lots of times and sort of contextualized in this moment of... Um, you know, sci-fi and Cold War and all of this, you know, all of this kind of thing. But I was thinking about it. Well, I guess what I was trying to do in this work, I recorded myself telling this story to my daughter and while we were sitting on a couch. And the story is also about, um, you know, the woman was sick that day and her mum was in the next room and so this sort of like domestic situation and this interruption and then connecting that also with um meteors and and natural radio and the fact that this thing hit the radio (laughs) um yeah and then and and that she was asleep so I was also thinking about um uh yeah consciousness and what happens um, you know, this sort of otherworldly idea about where we go when we sleep, for example, or, you know, that the the stars are out when we sleep. So there's this sort of space connection to, mm. to sleep and dreaming. Um, yeah, and that this woman's dreams, whatever she was dreaming about, were then interrupted by this, by this meteorite. This cosmic arrival. Yeah, yeah. And then my other daughter... Um, told a really amazing story about a dream that she had about a radio art piece in a garden. <laughs> she, she just dreamed, dreamed the radio art piece of, from scratch? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so she was telling me this dream. And so that's in the piece as well. So there are all these nice elements, but um, I think it needs to be reshuffled somehow. Mm. Oh, okay. Can we get a tiny insight in what aspect you want to reshuffle it or I think I I think I basically tried to make it a bit sort of tight and like audio narrative kind of more along the in this genre Mm. and I think it just needs to be undone and sort of made a bit more atmospheric or maybe if I think about doing a live version with you know some of these recordings but explaining the stuff Mm. live or I don't know Mm. I was trying something and um, for me it didn't work. Other people say it's fine, but mm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe trying to time it for a moment when another meteorite would 
using technology to create magic <laughs> yeah do you want to say anything about the idea of natural radio like as a as a conceptual frame or just uh uh well i think it's uh it's already come up with the meteors and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the you know the magnetite and the the earth's natural radio but um yeah the the well we talked before we started a bit about you know repatterning and what you know how that connects with um with what i'm trying to do with my work and that that's one way that i think of um yeah trying to undo some of the dominant um narratives i guess of of radio which mm -hmm. you know is mainly broadcast radio and technology and um so that's one one aspect that i'm trying to you know shift shift focus also onto natural forms of radio like mm -hmm. sunshine and and lightning and and meteors yeah i don't know <laughs> but i think that's uh you know it's a it's a it's a political decision as well to sort of shift shift ideas away from humans and technology and try mm, and mm. you know think about other um other ways of transmission or you know So that was our talk with Kate Donovan. If you'd like to know more about any of the things that we were talking about, you can take a look at the notes for the talk on the website at repatterning.xyz. We also recently started a Patreon account for repatterning. It's at patreon.com slash repatterning. So if you like what we do, you can support us over there. There are no extras or exclusives. It's purely voluntary and everyone gets the same material either way. But if you'd like to help out, you can, and we'd be very grateful for any support. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.